you for listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. We now present an encore presentation of Carmelite Conversations. Well, welcome again to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, Christian voice in your home. I am very privileged today in the studio to have with me a very special guest, a personal friend of mine, and somebody, uh, obviously, who's familiar to many of our listeners here at Radio Maria, and that's Mary Piper. Mary, hi. How are you today? Hi, Mark. Nice to be here. Thanks for asking me. Now, Mary, um, I I have to... um, um, first share with our audience. We go back quite a ways. Uh, uh, we've been friends for a long time. We've known each other for a long time. I know about your special relationship with the Blessed Mother, and we have been running a series of programs on the Blessed Mother in a number of different contexts, which are perhaps not necessary to recover. But today, I asked you specifically uh, to join me in studio because I wanted to talk about the role of our Blessed Mother in evangelization, some of the work that's going on both here at Radio Maria and in a special initiative that you have underway, which we'll uh, leave for just a moment until we uh, begin as we do each of our programs in prayer. And I've asked if you wouldn't mind, uh, Mary, leading us in prayer this evening uh, by asking for the intercession uh, of our Blessed Mother through the Hail Mary. I would love to, Mark. You know, the Hail Mary is so simple, but is so profound. And so many people feel that they don't know the Bible and they don't know Scripture, but if they know a Hail Mary and they pray it with their heart, then they can reach the heart of God in a way that uh, many of the most learned men could never hope to. So today, let's just um, pray this together as a community, as a, a family, straight from our heart. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord, the Lord is, with is with thee. thee. Blessed art thou, thou among women. And blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, I should give just a little bit of history, uh, Mary, because uh, I think it's pertinent and probably appropriate that... uh, uh, you know, as I say, we've known each other for a long time, and there's a little joke that goes around our house when my wife Becky and I, some of our listeners, of course, know Becky, um, are in conversation, and she'll say, well, you know, Mary said blah, 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 and I'll have to stop her and say, now, was that Mary the Blessed Mother or was that Mary Piper? <laughs> <laughs> and we'll always have to clarify exactly which one we're talking about, because as you well know, uh, there's often a great deal of similarity between the messages that you have to share and the messages that our Blessed Mother has to share. And I say that quite genuinely with a, with a smile, but nonetheless uh, a hopeful smile, because I think that's so true. Um, there are a number of things going on right now. Um, and we've been doing, Francis, uh, Harry, and I have been doing a series of programs on the role of Mary in our interior life, how she uh, contributes to um, bringing us to Christ, how she uh, guides us throughout the course of our day. Uh, I, myself, and you and I, I think, have talked about this perhaps only briefly, uh, came to a devotion to our Blessed Mother over the last few years, largely as, as a result of my involvement in the Carmelite community. Uh, but it has deepened and grown uh, to the point where she is the one I turn to first in my spiritual life. 
Um, and when I wake up in the middle of the night, when I have those difficult moments throughout the course of the day, it is the Blessed Mother who I turn to. I don't need to say any more about that than for you to understand uh, where I am because I think you've been there for years. So I, I'd like you to share with our audience just a little bit, and I suspect you have in other forms, but uh, just a little bit about your devotion to the Blessed Mother. I will share, if, if you don't, some of the things I witness you doing um, that make it clear uh, how deep this devotion goes for you. Uh, but if you wouldn't mind just sharing a little bit about uh, maybe how you came by it and where you are in relationship with our Blessed Mother today. Well, I think I came by it, Mark, with, um, first of all, thank you for all those words. Um, I'm not so sure that my boys, I have five boys, would agree with you that I modeled the um, the Blessed Mother but I told him, well, you just never know. Um, if she were here, she might say the exact same thing that I am because I'm saying it for your own good. Yeah, Christ might have said the same thing when uh, he was found in the temple, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a mother-son thing. And yeah. I think that's, um, you know, I've always had a love for the Blessed Mother, even when I was young. And like most people, I got that love from my own mother. You could tell that um, the Blessed Mother and her were very close. And um, and through the trials and tribulations of being a mother, as all of us go through, um, she was always there. And she always made it clear to me and to my uh, brother and my sisters that the Blessed Mother loves and cares for us in a way that only a mother can. And that God made a mother so perfect for himself, but so perfect for us as well. That it wasn't just he that he had in mind when it, he created her, but all of us. And so that gives us a special in with her. It gives us a special relationship with her. And that we're not adopted. We're actually her sons and daughters. Mm. And when we start to realize that, then we turn to her no matter what. And as I always tell the, the kids that, you know, there are going to be times in your life, uh, and I hope there's not many, but there are going to be times when you're facing things that you can't come to me with. And if that's the case, then go to your Blessed Mother. Yeah. I said, she actually can help you more than I can, but, um, but hopefully she's working through me. It's a powerful message of hope, isn't it? I it mean, is. In those most difficult times in our life, and let's be fair, uh, the world is facing some very difficult times right now. I'm so touched by the fact that the Holy Father, uh, in addition to the great a call to international prayer that occurred this past Saturday. And I think there was a worldwide response to that from, from a number of denominations, a number of uh, different faith traditions. Um, this man, our Holy Father, is clearly seen um, as a religious leader throughout the world, uh, understandably, as, as Holy Father, he would be. Uh, but his personality, his persona, his character, his his uh, moral stance in the world is... is um, uh, I think compelling and it is comforting as I began this uh, statement to, to realize his own deep devotion to the Blessed Mother um, his devotion to Our Lady of Fatima specifically I think uh, and his uh, consecration of his own papacy to Our Lady of Fatima demonstrate his deep devotion much like John Paul II and I think to some extent carried on uh, by Benedict the sixteenth. Uh, but, but uh, most especially in this Pope a deep devotion to the Blessed Mother I said to you in some communication we had before uh, the conversation today, uh, it had uh, always struck me the significance of the fact that the Blessed Mother ushered our Lord into the world by her acceptance uh, uh, at the Annunciation and participation in the incarnation of Christ entering our world. 
And she really ushered him into his public ministry at, at the wedding of Cana, of course. Uh, so much can be said about that story in Scripture. But what's important, I think, to recognize is it was the Blessed Mother who really initiated our Lord's public ministry. And so with that as sort of a backdrop, uh, there are a couple things uh, going on at Radio Maria that I'd like you to share with us a, a little bit about. And then I know you're involved in a very exciting program uh, that you and I have discussed a few times. You've had it in work for some time, and, and I'd like you to share with us a little bit about that school. Uh, but let's talk about Radio Maria, and what are some of the things that Radio Maria has underway? And then, of course, we'll circle back and return where we've begun, and that is the role of the Blessed Mother in all of that. Well, you know, Mark, um, that's why I think... Um you know, the Blessed Mother, we don't have to really worry about our children because um, there for a long time, even though I was a good Catholic, I wasn't, um, you know, really getting too involved in parish life and um, in my Catholic life. Um, although I went to Mass and I prayed a lot and things like that, um, and I did a lot of good things, but I wasn't um, real tuned in to the Blessed Mother. And um, I found a job um, that I thought was kind of interesting, uh, doing financial work for a radio and TV company. And I was there for about 10 years. And um, then I retired to be a mom. And uh, then all of a sudden, as I like to say, the Blessed Mother kind of dug me back up and said, you know that job that you got a long time ago? That was my doing. And now I want you to help my radio get started here in the United States and or really continue to make it uh, known and loved. And Radio Maria is all over the world. We are in 60 different countries. We are the largest network of radio in the whole world. And, um, and we are a lifeline throughout um, because, as our priest director, Father Livio, says, Radio Maria is the presence of the Blessed Mother. It's her voice that teaches us comforts, consoles, and invites prayer and hope. And so that's why, that's the secret of Radio Maria. Radio Maria isn't just about giving you great information, because we do that. It isn't just about praying, because we do that. It isn't just about all the great programs um, for human development, because we do that. It's really our devotion to the Blessed Mother and the joy that we find in helping her. And we can always tell, I always say, um, you can always tell a real devotee of the Blessed Mother because they kind of look at you and go, well, you know, anything for the Blessed Mother. Because <laughs> when you say that, you know, she asks a lot of you. Yeah, she does. And, you know, of course, in the Carmelite tradition, we have no reservation um, um, contending that f- she is certainly the mother of our order. She's the patroness of our order, uh, the hermits on Mount Carmel, the history of our order. Uh, began, of course, with devotion to the Blessed Mother. Uh, But we also have no reservation identifying ourselves as her slaves. And we mean that in the most positive way, Mm -hmm. in exactly the way you just described it. We'll do anything for the Blessed Mother. Anything that she asks of us, we consider um, a a grace that we're able to serve her. Um, And it's difficult sometimes to discern, I think, exactly where our mother may be calling us. But in this ministry... You said something very important, I think, a moment ago. This radio um, station worldwide is the voice of the Blessed Mother in so many ways. For all of the ministries that you just outlined, at the core of it is a presence, and I'm sort of leading into a discussion that we'll have perhaps later in the program around how the Blessed Mother works. And, of course, we know she works silently. She works in the background. She works as she did 
in the visitation simply by being present. But this is her voice. This radio station going out across the United States and across the world really is her voice bringing, um, I would say, most especially, peace to those who listen. Isn't that the cry of the world today? We're hearing this, of course, with the conflicts, international conflicts. It is the call of our Holy Father. He's trying to give us a new insight on what it means to bring peace to the world. It is all those things that you outlined. It is ministry to the poor. It is outreach to the, to the widow and to the orphan. It is the, um, you know, the elimination of, of conflict and, and, uh, the introduction of dialogue. It is all those things. But in the context that he is presenting it, uh, the Blessed Mother has such a central role to play because she is the voice of peace in the world. This is what the world needs right now. More than anything, we don't need any more political dialogue. We don't need any more debate. We don't need economic conflict. We don't need to argue about who's paying for the services that ought to be provided. We don't need any more discussion about who's got the bigger weapons of mass destruction that can be used. We need to be talking about peace and for some number of years, we can talk briefly, if you're in, um, uh, willing, Mary, about your devotion to Magigori and to our mm -hmm. Blessed Mother in Magigori. The central theme of her message to the world is a message of peace. It is. And, you know, um, let me tell you briefly a story that I heard at one of our worldwide conferences where all the priest directors and the presidents gather every three years. I met um, a bishop who actually is an American bishop who was stationed in Sierra Leone, and they had a, a huge conflict. And he was on the radio um, trying to be that voice of peace, that voice of reason, and that voice of caring. And um, so apparently there was an altercation, and there were guns and all kinds of uh, weapons, and there was a face-off. He actually walked out in the middle, in between both factions of these people, ready to, to kill each other, and he called for peace. And they dropped their weapons because they recognized his voice from the radio and they knew that he loved all of them and that all he wanted was for them to live in peace and that he was there as their shepherd. And they dropped everything. If Radio Maria had not been there and had not given him a, the voice to get out and the means to get out and to hear that voice and to realize that he loved and cared for all of them and then he risked his own life to um, to walk in between that, and he he said, "Oh, it was nothing. It's it's what I had to do," and um, and so those are the the kind of things that happen uh, more than I know, um, but I happen to actually hear that eyewitness um, account of it, and um, and I think that that speaks volumes for what we can accomplish through this medium of radio, not just in Africa, not just Sierra Leone, but within our own um, places right here in the United States and other places. You know, I've, I've been reading recently some of the <clears throat> historical accounts and uh, uh, diary um, uh, inputs of uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer and the role that he played in uh, World War II. And he called for something that he characterized as a radical integrity and a radical way of redefining peace. 
Um, and he would have uh, advocated and did advocate for, um, you know, the, the laying down of arms and the entry into dialogue. And, of course, at that time, that was a radical idea. Uh, and as uh, the mission of the churches in Germany and so forth became somewhat uh, misdirected, and, and we see this even in our world today in so many countries where the voice of religion, the voice of faith, is either being um, overcome, silenced, or it's being distorted in some way. This call for radical redefinition of what it means uh, to define peace, I think this is the message of the Holy Father. He's calling for a radical redefinition, you know, that, that establishing peace either in the, in the um, interaction of, of nations or in the interior of the heart calls for a radical redefinition of what do we mean by peace it's not um, either the the strength uh, by by power it's not overcoming our enemy it's not overcoming the obstacles and eliminating all the obstacles in our life in our interior life it is about a radical redefinition of peace which the blessed mother is calling us to she's calling us to that in the interior and that then manifests itself in the exterior and there's a challenge here i think for us as christians uh, to be able to understand how to communicate that message. You know, the Vatican has taken, I think, some years to come to grips with modern technologies of communication, right? Social media, you know more about this than I do. <clears throat> and, and I think Benedict, uh, our former Pope Benedict um, the Sixteenth, struggled with um, exactly how to harness some of these modern technologies. Even the, the uh, uh, current administration uh, within the Vatican, I think, still struggles. The church in America struggles on how to use some of these uh, more modern medium uh, for getting the message of the gospel out, for communicating these radical ideas about peace. I think this is time that we need to be turning to the Blessed Mother and saying, Mother, help us. Now, interestingly, uh, of course, there was none of this radical uh, new uh, technology at the time of the Blessed Mother, but um, that's not where it starts. It starts with developing an interior um, um, peace, an interior desire for that peace. It begins in a life of prayer. It begins in a life of silence. It begins in a relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's what the Blessed Mother is calling us to. But it leads me to the next point of conversation. You have a project underway. You've been about it for quite some time now. Um, I'd love to hear more about it. I'd love to hear uh, where it's going. And I know that our audience would be interested in hearing, because this is so important, I think, uh, to the topic that we're talking about today. Well, one of the things we, we really realize here at Radio Maria is how important it is to reach people with the gospel message, and first and foremost, to evangelize. Um, many people kind of get scared by that. They don't know what evangelization means, and they think only churchy people do it, you know, that type of thing. And really all it is is, um, is filling your heart with God and orienting your life towards him and, um, and experiencing a joy that comes from that. And when you have that joy, you can't help but, you know, it spills out in everything you do. And, um, and it guides what you do and what you don't do. And so, um, you know, here at Radio Maria, we try to make that happen. And we um, also see that there's a need to form people because um, although some people are formed in evangelization, many people aren't. And many people think, well, I, I'd have to know the scriptures backwards and forwards. I'd have to know how to refute this and refute that. And actually, it was a young man uh, that I met a couple years back who I said, well, you know, 
I couldn't really do that because I, I don't know all that stuff. And he said, Mary, don't you ever t- let anybody tell you that you can't evangelize and that you don't know your faith because you do, because what you know is how um, what God has done for you and how he is a big part of your life and how he makes and brings meaning to everything you do. And if you can communicate that to other people, that's what they want to hear. Not the Bible verses, not so much all the other stuff. They'll get to that eventually. But what they want to hear is somebody who genuinely loves God and feels that he's real and that he cares about them. What role has God played in your life? Exactly. I mean, that that message, I think, would resonate. What impact has the presence, has the relationship um, either with the Blessed Mother or with our Lord and Savior, what impact has that had in your life? How has it helped you to understand the meaning of life and to sort of reconcile all of what doesn't seem to make a lot of sense in our life? And there's a lot that doesn't make a lot of sense in our life. Um, how do we come to terms with that, and what role has our relationship with the Lord had to do with that? That's, a, you know, I said a moment ago, I think people are looking for peace. I don't mean just peace in, in international conflict. Certainly we all desire that. We don't want to see uh, the destruction that we've witnessed over the last many months um, in, in foreign countries, years really, literally, um, in, in so many parts of the world. We want peace. Everybody is seeking that peace in our heart, that joy that the Blessed Mother speaks to us about, that she represents. You know, I think the great story that represents this, and we should preface this with, you know, I don't believe that the Blessed Mother had a degree in theology that I'm aware of. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I happen to know she was not... uh, you know, a, uh, a teacher of contemplative prayer. Uh, I know that she was not uh, uh, particularly schooled in the philosophical arguments of her time. But yet when she visited her cousin Elizabeth, there was such a presence about Mary that instantly Christ was recognized within her. And of course, that's in, in part the meaning of that particular mystery within the rosary is that we are to be present. We are to be the presence of Christ to others simply by our presence, simply by the peace that we carry, by the demeanor that we carry, by the joy that we carry, by being present, meaning be aware of them. Um, in our uh, particular uh, spirituality, Carmelite spirituality, <clears throat> we talk about the indwelling presence, not unique by any means to Carmelite spirituality, uh, but nonetheless, uh, very much emphasized by Blessed Elizabeth of the Trinity uh, and by Brother Lawrence uh, of the Resurrection who practiced the presence of God. He writes to us about the presence of God. And um, Sister Elizabeth writes to us very much about the power of the indwelling. That indwelling of the Holy Spirit of the Trinity within us that we experience first allows us then to carry that message, whether it's over the radio waves or through television, or through any other form of social media, or perhaps most importantly, on a street corner sometimes, with the person who most needs it. In a classroom, in a hallway, in a in a schoolyard, in a in a uh, you know the sideline of a soccer field with a mother who needs to feel the presence of another who brings that peace. You're a person who does that, Mary. I've attributed that to you many times. I believe my wife is another person who does it. We have in the studio somebody who I won't uh, identify because she'd feel uncomfortable about it, but she is another example of it. I know these people, you're one of them, who by your very presence brings a 
a state of peace to those around you. That starts from something. That starts from that relationship with the Blessed Mother, introducing us into a deeper and intimate relationship with our Lord, and then allows us to carry that message in so many other ways that in this world, because of what advances there have been in, in various medium, we need to now become schooled in. We need to become familiar with. The target audience for the school that you envision, what what sort of student body are we, are we looking for? Well, I'm actually looking for everyday people like myself, um, people who love God and maybe those who want to love him but don't know how, um, some that maybe aren't even sure that he's around and cares about them. And it's very simple ways, um, sort of like um, just mom ways, you know, and, and that's kind of how I believe the Blessed Mother, you know, when you start to ponder her life and ask her questions, um, I think she lets you know. And um, she she has a way of um, in kind of taking you by the hand. And, um, and then when she feels you're ready, I remember one time I felt like um, my little um, son who was too shy to kind of come out and be introduced. And I was constantly, he was kind of hanging on my leg, and I kept kind of pushing him out to the front. And so sometimes I think it's the Blessed Mother saying, you're ready, you're ready, and she's pushing me out to the front to evangelize and to tell others and to share. And, um, you know, I think that's sometimes the scary part about evangelization is when we open up and we share our experiences, then we have to share ourselves. Well, that's what, you know, Jesus did each and every day of his life here on earth. He sh- he was sharing himself, either with his holy family or um, with his, his buddies, the disciples, and and certainly his mission. And, um, and so if we are really going to um, make him known and loved throughout the world, then we have to be willing to share who we are. And so I always say it's, ra- it's a risky business, you know, and risky stands for radically I serve the kingdom uh, and the I king. Like and the why is yes, a big why with a big yes. Risky, I think, in part because we have to be vulnerable. And mm-hmm. we're going to be uh, vulnerable right now as we take a quick break. Uh, when I come back, I want to ask you a little bit more about sort of the mechanics of the school, at least as you envision them. I realize a lot of this is being worked out yet. Uh, but obviously we want to solicit prayers from our audience and from all our faithful Carmelite followers uh, and others who, who we know listen to this radio program uh, for this very important mission. And so uh, we'll be back in just a moment and pick up that story about the School of Evangelization. A reminder, you're listening to Radio Maria on Carmelite, or Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. We'll be right back. Thank you. 
Listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. The program you're currently listening to is a rebroadcast of Carmelite Conversations. Well, welcome back to Carmelite Conversations. Our guest in the studio today is Mary Piper. And Mary, I'm, I'm not familiar. What's your current title here at Radio Maria? My current it's... title is I'm Treasurer of the Board. Treasurer of the Board, okay. For Radio Maria USA. I should have mentioned that uh, early on. I apologize. I know that you've had a couple of different roles um, at, at the radio station for all of the United States. Uh, so Mary plays a very significant role in both sustaining and advancing the mission of Radio Maria in the United States. And you've been to Rome a couple of times with regard to um, the direction of the radio station here in the United States. You understand what's going on throughout the world. Where is the radio station most prominent? I, I guess that would be It'd Italy. Be Italy, yeah. yes. Yes, we have over 800 repeater stations there. Wow. So it's bigger than Vatican Radio. It's bigger than any radio there. Well, I remember, of course, I read the, the newsletter um, um, frequently now, but when I began to get, when I became involved in the ministry, thanks in large part to you, um, and began to get information on Radio Maria and realize just how uh, pervasive, I guess, the ministry is across the world. I was impressed uh, at just how large the footprint is, how many countries they are involved in, how much outreach there is. Uh, of course, the United States is a relatively small footprint for Radio Maria, I think, still today. Is that true? It is. Um, five years ago when I joined Radio Maria, we were at five stations. We've doubled by the grace of God and Great. the help God of our bless. Blessed Mother to ten stations, and we're on our way to becoming a national radio 
Great. That's fantastic. Well, we certainly want to continue to solicit the prayers of our listeners. As I know, uh, we do uh, at least a couple of times a year. In fact, we'll have a um, a We have our Marine-thon coming up. Coming up very soon. We don't want to spend too much time talking about that uh, on this program. But, of course, we always appreciate the support that we get from our listeners. Well, Mary, I want to pick up a little bit on... um, the School of Evangelization, again, you shared with me, this is still in the development stage. It's still in the conceptual stage. It needs a lot of prayer. Uh, we need the prayer and the support of our listeners. We need uh, to hear the voice of the Blessed Mother and what she envisions for this. There's no question there is a need uh, to train, uh, I was almost going to say young people, but as you've already made clear, it's not in any way uh, limited to the younger generation of, of college graduates or college students that we're targeting, but really anybody who feels this call from the Blessed Mother to begin to participate in the ministry of evangelization using some of the modern media for uh, communicating uh, the gospel and communicating her messages, um, there is a need for training people in that regard, how we combine uh, well, I'll let you speak to it. How how do you envision sort of the curriculum, the different elements of the curriculum? What are the requirements that, that we're trying to help people uh, become more uh, uh, capable of uh, I- engaging in? Well, it's a very simple idea, and um, basically it is learning how to articulate the beauty and truth of our Catholic faith and the truth of who Christ is and what we're called to be in the world. And um, so many times we feel it inside our hearts, but we don't really know how to articulate. And when we start to try to bring it out, we kind of get a little trip over ourselves. And, um, and we don't really, sometimes we walk away thinking, gee, I could have done a lot better job. So basically what we would like to do um, is really train people to articulate in one to three minutes um, in a not in a confrontational way, but actually in a way that opens people's hearts to want to know more, to mm-hmm. make them curious. And so that would be just taking an opportunity to articulate um, our our view, our Catholic worldview, um, in relation to current things that are happening or situations that are happening within your home or within your school family or your parish life. And, and doing away in such a way that it opens the heart to receive the information and to make use of that information and to grow, um, that heart and that soul within that direction. And, um, and so we targeted one to three minutes because, um, that's a sound bite. Mm-hmm. And so if you're ever going to be, uh, asked to give a, an opinion, uh, by a news reporter or something like that, um, and that does happen, you know, the Pope's coming. What do you, what do you feel about his stance on this? Well, if you have an answer that's ready and you know how to articulate that, then basically, um, you know, it comes out in a clear, concise way and people go, oh, okay. You know, instead of all this misinformation, you know, that's right. what Archbishop Sheen said, that um, there's a lot of people who don't like the Catholic Church, um, but most of them don't like what they think is, and right. that's based on misinformation. So right. there's a lot of misinformation and confusion out there. And so if we can cl- clarify that, and of course, as a mom, I look and I see, well, when you're a mom, you're lucky if you have one to three minutes. So um, that carry forward into your home life. And if it, you're it's a talent that applies right to right, the home front, it does, you know, <laughs> and sometimes you got 30 seconds. So, you know, if you're in the office and somebody says something about, um, 
you know, the Pope's coming or whatever it might be, or the Pope's comment on this or that, then you can articulate that. An incident that's uh, arisen in our military recently, why why do you have the Bible on your desk? Uh, Mm -hmm. Why do you hang your crucifix in your office? You know, these very simple questions oftentimes. Um, And, you know, you make a very good point. We live in the soundbite generation. This has been true for, you know, a decade or more. Uh, and it gets worse every day. In fact, I saw a book on the bookshelf the other day, and a, a well-known uh, um, um, author had penned a book on <clears throat> what he called short writing. In other words, how to get your message across in basically six words or less. So we certainly live in the soundbite generation. It obviously often leaves us open to misinterpretation mm-hmm. um, and therefore calls even more for uh, the skill of communication and dialogue around these very sensitive issues. And I think this, again, is where the Holy Father is leading so clearly um, from uh, away from conflict, right? Mm-hmm. So many difficult issues in the church today that we could deal with, and, and there's no reason to run the litany of them. Everybody's familiar with them. Um, but the misinterpretation of the church's position uh, on these most difficult social issues, in mm-hmm. many cases, of course, uh, not so difficult to understand where we stand on, on international conflicts and war, but <clears throat> on these more delicate social issues, a great deal of misinterpretation, the need to be able to articulate the message in a non-confrontational way. Now, there is the need for the establishment of truth and, and the articulation of truth, and, and the Holy Father stands uh, very clearly on that issue. But he also is drawing away from conflict, even to the point where some of his communication has been um, uh, misinterpreted um, as softening church doctrine, mm-hmm. and he's quickly clarified that, or his deputies have quickly clarified that. But nonetheless, he wants to move us away from conflict. He wants to move us into a dialogue. He wants to move to understanding. He wants to move to a, mis- a, a message of compassion, mm-hmm. which is Christ's message. It is where the Blessed Mother is is leading us. Can you imagine the Blessed Mother engaging in, in a sort of confrontational exchange, even with those who, who um, you know, took advantage of her son and may have uh, mistreated him? You just can't imagine the Blessed Mother as an historical figure engaging in a confrontational situation. A radical, again, I'll go back to, to Bonhoeffer's idea, a radical redefinition of peace, you know, to where we say, no, we will not engage in conflict. And these one to three minute, as you say, um, opportunities for articulating a message of compassion is far more challenging than simply saying, well, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Scripture says you're wrong. The church has a teaching about that, and you're wrong. <clears throat> where we lead people uh, into a confrontational mode, uh, the message has to be one of compassion, of mercy, yes. uh, of acceptance at the same time that we're articulating truth. And I think that's where um, that's where the Holy Father's leading. That's where your school of evangelization. And you've, you've opened up a new perspective for me, and you and I have, as I say, uh, shared a lot of dialogue on this. But really, you're talking about uh, the very idea of how we communicate, not exactly. just the social media. I mean, we could talk about radio, we could talk about the Internet, we could talk about so many different forms, t- tweets and tweeters and all the rest of it that I'm not very familiar with, Facebook and so forth. Um, those are all mediums. But the very message, it, it appears, is where your 
right. where your whole idea begins. Because we always begin like St. Francis does, which is we seek first to understand. Mm. And nobody cares how much, you know, this is the underlying the cardinal rule is that nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Yeah. I know old, but Even very your own true. kids, right? Very true You know, statement. your spouse. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Unless they know that you really care and you are trying to understand them, yeah. then they don't really care what you have to say. It's As right. my kids say, Mom, it's like blah, 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 like the Charlie Brown, because yeah. when adults speak, because they don't really care about us, Mom, you know? But um, if people understand that we care then they're going to be open in a whole new way to what we have to say. And we don't have to get all the doctrine out in that 60 seconds because we know enough that we can open their hearts and they'll want to know more. And they want to know more from us because they know we care. You know, I want to go back to an article. I said I would reference this um, a little bit later in our discussion. This may be an appropriate time. There's a wonderful article out online for our listeners if you um, have access to the Internet. It's simply titled, Mary's Role... In the life of a secular. Now, this, of course, is targeted to uh, a Carmelite uh, audience. It's written for secular Carmelites by Father Edward Leahy. Uh, that's L-E-A-H-Y. Again, simply titled Mary's Role in the Life of a Secular. To draw this back to the significance of the Blessed Mother and all of this effort around uh, communication and evangelization, one section he says here, I seriously doubt um, if the Blessed Mother would want us to force our contemporary methods and, and uh, states of prayer uh, in an arbitrary fashion into her prayer life. And he says um, she cared little about sort of the uh, poetic uh, license on my part, the intellectual debates, I said this before, of her time. She was not schooled in these methods, right? She wasn't schooled in communication, in uh, contemplative prayer, in philosophy, and so forth. But she had such a powerful presence because it stemmed from a deep interior life of prayer and devotion, which was uh, imbued with compassion and mercy and, and a willingness um, to reach out and, and bring in rather than try to intellectually, you know, sort of confront the issues of her time, whatever those might have been. She stem, it stemmed from a very deep interior life. And, and I think it's important as we talk about um, both what's going on here in the United States, and I'd like you to share a little bit about some of the initiatives that you have shared with me are going on overseas. Um, how central the role of the Blessed Mother is in this? You know, people so often struggle when they hear about the Catholic devotion uh, to our Blessed Mother. Well, what is that really? What role is she playing? How is this 2,000-year-old figure who wasn't our Savior, um, what, what role is she playing in our life today? And, of course, you and I would agree and could go on at some length about it in our personal life. Uh, but this is, I think, a very significant role uh, for her in terms of how we begin to communicate these most important messages in um, response to what's going on in the world. So tell us a little bit about what's going on in some of the overseas work that you've been doing, the, the discussions you've been having. Well, I was fortunate enough to go to um, Ethiopia last year, and actually we went and landed on the Feast of Our Lady of Fatima, May 13th, which was also Mother's Day. And so, as you can well guess, um, the Blessed Mother was, um, was right there with us in many ways. And um, I was with a group of Coptic medical missions, 
And, um, and I didn't really know much about our Coptic brothers and sisters, but we are so uh, fortunate to have such wonderful, faith-filled and um, devout people who are over in Egypt and Ethiopia and other parts of the world that are living Christ's life and bringing his messages. And there was a group of young professionals from Egypt who joined us, and I was part of the evangelization team. I wasn't quite sure what that meant, but I was willing to go into the hospitals and and, uh, pray with people, and I wasn't really good at that either. But um, uh, I, I, Mary, I have to interrupt you and just share, just to give our latest sitting audience some perspective. Mary is the kind of woman who will uh, call you up at 4 o'clock in the afternoon uh, while you're living in Dayton, Ohio. This is personal experience. Actually, it was my wife's experience. And say, hey, why don't we go down to Birmingham, Alabama? And, of course, my lovely wife, Becky, because it's Mary, says, sure, Mary, I'd go anywhere with you. That sounds great. When did you want to go? What day did you want to go? What week? And Mary says, no, no, in a few hours, can you pack your van? <laughs> We're going to head down there. So it doesn't surprise me at all that you'd find yourself anywhere in the world, as long as the Blessed Mother had called you there, Mary. <laughs> well, that's the fun of working for the Blessed Mother, because you just never know what she's going to do. Yeah, that's right. And there is actually a priest who worked uh, with Radio Room before I came on board, and he was with Mother Teresa. And he said she had told him this that you always know when the Blessed Mother is at work because you have to keep doing whatever you're doing and all of a sudden all the doors open at once and you have to be ready and you have to jump and you have to be there and you have to say yes right away without hesitation or else you miss the opportunity and you miss the grace. Well, and isn't she the model of that? Yes. Right? I am the handmaid of the Lord. You know, Mary, I'd like you to turn your life over and this evening you will be gifted with the the responsibility of bringing into the world our Savior. And how much time do I have to think about, about that, that, right? No, the Blessed Mother doesn't ask that, yeah. does she? She ponders all these things in our heart. This is what our Carmelite spirituality emphasizes about the Blessed Mother. Everything is viewed through the uh, filter of that burning love within her heart and that she tries to teach us and expose us to. She lived in a, almost a constant state of ecstasy, and I don't say that in any way to suggest that the Blessed Mother didn't experience everything that the world had to present to her, both in terms of its joy and its challenges. But what, I, what I'm communicating is this intimate um, conversation, constant conversation, present to our Lord, uh, both, of course, when he was physically present and also uh, after his uh, passion and resurrection. In a constant state of prayer, the Blessed Mother. And so she pondered all these things in her heart. And she's asking us to do the same thing. And her response then to her Lord is immediate when yes. when uh, he asks of anything of her. And, you know, Mark, um, I think when if I look a little, ponder that a little bit farther, um, people say, well, it was, you know, she could be intimate with Christ because she bore him for nine months and she was his mother all those years and everything else. So, of course, she has an intimate knowledge of him. But she didn't say yes to Christ. She said yes to God the Father. Right. So she was already one with him, and she loved her God. And tradition holds that when they brought her to the temple, she delighted everybody because as soon as she got in the temple, she couldn't help but dance out of joy. And that's because she knew. For her, living with God wasn't a deep contemplative experience. Right. It was natural. It's absolutely correct. She just simply simply loved God and saw the goodness that he had all around her and how he cared about her 
And she shared that with people through all kinds of different ways. And that's what I think delights God the Father so much about her is that, yes, he created her full of grace, but you know, we all have free will. She also had to come to this understanding, though, she when did. she finds her 12-year-old son in the temple after three days. My son, why have you done this to my to your father and I? And she didn't have a complete understanding of that mission at the beginning. She had to struggle. Um, she, she uh, you know, we've had some wonderful programs, a good close friend of ours who's done a series of programs on the Blessed Mother and, and writings on her uh, uh, biographical sketches on her reveal very clearly that she did not scripture reveals cl- very clearly she she had to come to this understanding right but you said something a moment ago I think is so important for her this intimate conversation with the Lord something that we now in the modern era spend hours reading about and studying and analyzing and discussing over radio programs and 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 we have curriculum in it and uh you know people get degrees in this the blessed mother did it naturally it was natural for her to wake and say uh, uh, I'm the handmaid of the Lord. Lord, thank you for this day. Uh, at, at throughout her chores in the course of the day, taking care of her, her only child, taking care of her husband, helping her husband uh, in his last hours, all of that experience that is so natural to us. This was a laywoman. We have mm-hmm. to remind ourselves, the Blessed Mother was a laywoman who was a wife and a mother. And she handled all of the responsibilities that our mothers do today. But for her, intimacy with the Lord was not an academic exercise. It was the natural expression of her experience of God that she sought, she pursued, and she developed over the course of her life uh, to the point where she could become immediately responsive to whatever the the Lord might ask her to do, whatever the the Father might ask her to do. It's who she was. Yeah. You know, she couldn't respond any differently because that's who she was. Right. And, you know, her very nature, you know, that's what I think is so wonderful about, um, you know, I love Jesus, I love God the Father, I love the Holy Spirit, and I love the Blessed Mother. And many people kind of think perhaps maybe I'm a little overboard on the Blessed Mother, but she's the one who showed me the way to the Father. She's the one that showed me the way to her son and what her son really wants of us. She's the one that gave me the kind of knowledge from talking to her and um, and spending time with her where she simply showed me the delight of having Christ in my life, that you know he wants me, God the Father wants me, the Holy Spirit wants me, to love him as much as she did. Yeah, I, I can say unabashedly, because I think sometimes men need to hear this from other men, I have spent uh, the better part of my spiritual journey seeking that patron, if you will, that one who would lead me uh, into a deeper relationship. Because, and, and I think we don't need to go into a, a great lengthy explanation about the value, the significance, the importance of the communion of saints and what they mean to us as Catholics mm-hmm. uh, and our association with individual saints for specific reasons. And I certainly have my list, as I know you do, who you are devoted to. But I can assure you, um, when I found that relationship with the Blessed Mother, everything else sort of um, paled in comparison. Now, I still have great devotion, especially to uh, a, a few key Carmelite saints and uh, to uh, um, now St. Andre in Montreal and, and others. But 
it, it all falls in the shadows below the light of the Blessed Mother. The Blessed Mother is who I turn to. I have no reservations at 2 o'clock in the morning when I wake up reaching for my rosary and asking the Blessed Mother what she needs for me that, that hour. Um, and that's uh, uh, from someone who's both uh, spent a good deal of time uh, reflecting on the, the role of the saints and also now coming to an understanding of the significance that the Blessed Mother can play in our lives individually, in maturing our individual interior life, uh, and also because of the importance that she has in the church today. And it cannot be overblown. It could be misrepresented, but it cannot be overblown if it's understood. The Blessed Mother is moving today to reintroduce Christ into the world and to initiate us into our ministry the same way that she did him. And she does it by beginning with our interior life. And when she gets a hold of that, then there are no limitations to what she might be able to ask us to do or what she will give us through the grace that she pours out the power to do. And that's, um, I think, a message that needs to be uh, uh, communicated very loudly in our church today. And I think also that we um, maybe don't understand, um, because it's probably not articulated enough, is that when we give honor and um, to our mother and we turn to her, we give an honor to um, our God, our Father, and to Jesus and the Holy Spirit that is um, as about as perfect as it can get. Yeah. You know, and um, and so if I want to honor God and glorify him, then I need to turn to his mother who he's given me. Her mission is to make her son known and loved throughout the world. And that's what my mission is. And so she knows how to make that happen. Yeah. And so and she knows how I can help her to make that happen. So that's what my whole goal here is. And that's why. When I saw and worked with the Coptic um, young people from Egypt, and their very lives are at, at stake, trying to make um, Christ better known and loved. And yet I said, well, how can you do this if you could go home and be imprisoned for this? And this is before all this stuff happened. Mm -hmm. And they said, we believe that if we are here, then somebody in our family has already been a martyr. And that is who we are. Yeah. And if we are called to give witness to God through our death, then so be it, because nothing would make us happier than to make everyone else understand we love him that much. Yeah. You know, in uh, doing some research for our conversation today, um, I, I read the document, of course, that we shared and, and some others, and I was reminded of a prayer that we pray every day, um, especially if um, you're Carmel, and of course you pray the, uh, the office, uh, both morning and evening prayer, and in the evening, we pray this most significant prayer from our Blessed Mother, the Magnificat. I, I want to just say to our audience as we close in prayer this evening, and Mary, I'm going to ask if you would close us with that prayer. But I want to encourage our listeners, reread this prayer. If you don't do the office, or maybe if you do do the office, read this prayer slowly and let the Blessed Mother, through it, enter your heart and do the work that she wants to do in each and every one of us, Catholic and non-Catholic alike, Christian and non-Christian alike. This is a prayer for all of us. It is a prayer for our time. It is a prayer for the world. It is a prayer directly from our Blessed Mother. Mary, would you pray us out with that prayer, please? I will. And what it always invokes in me is a sense of awe and wonder of the majesty and goodness of our God. How good is the great God when we read this and we realize and say it from our heart like the Blessed Mother did, because she will always help you. So let's begin. 
My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on his lowly servant. From this day all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. He has shown the strength of his arm. He has scattered the proud in their conceit. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has come to the help of his servant Israel, for he has remembered his promise of mercy, the promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham and his children forever. Amen. A reminder, you've been listening to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. Next week, we'll be discussing uh, this role of evangelization in a Carmelite uh, context. Thank you again for listening. Until next week, God bless. to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. The program you just heard was a rebroadcast of Carmelite Conversations.